Welcome to the Right Division Network's podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we thank you for joining us as we're going to study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We'll be continuing today going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are here in chapter number 3, and we'll be starting verse number 10 today, which says, Night and day, praying exceedingly, that we might see your face, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, as we've been going through this chapter here in the epistle to the Thessalonian church, we've been looking at the issues of the Apostle Paul talking about this praying for these saints, this care that he has for them, this idea of trying to make sure that they are continuing to stand fast in the information that has been given to them. And we see how, as he's talking here about this issue of this praying that him, Silas, and Timothy are doing for these saints, we see how he brings up this issue of the night and day, and how you know using these words brings up some viewpoints that come about from the issue of God, and these can go all the way back to the creation. In fact, let's go back over to the book of Genesis. We're going to Genesis chapter number one. And we're going to see here a description starting from the very beginning identifying the idea of a day here. In Genesis chapter number 1, we're going to read here verses 3, 4, and 5. Verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So we see how this the first day is actually identified here and how from God's perspective of what a day actually is counted of, that it's the evening and the morning. So the issue of when a day actually starts from God's view is from sunset is the beginning of the day. Now, from man's perspective, we have just a clock that says, okay, it's hit midnight, so it has now become the next day, that we just have this arbitrary time of when the day begins. From God's viewpoint, it's the evening and the morning that actually become a day. So when the Apostle Paul speaking here about this issue of a night and a day, we see how this is look, being looked at from God's eyes. Let's turn over to the book of Leviticus. We'll go to Leviticus chapter number 23 here. We're going to see another verse that's actually going to bring up this same idea, identifying the thing of the timing of a day here. And 
here in Genesis chapter number 23, speaking of the feast days, here we're going to read verse number 32. says, It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even, from even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. So that gives us the clear identity of what is a day in the eyes of God that is from even to even. So the individuals who make that attempt of trying to say that they're keeping the Sabbath, that the true idea of when the Sabbath would be is that the Sabbath would start on sundown on Friday and end on sundown on Saturday. That's the true Sabbath day. Anything else that somebody would be trying to keep doesn't line up with what God says. Now, luckily for us, the members of the body of Christ, we don't even have to worry about that idea of trying to keep the Sabbath because there's no such thing as any sort of holy day in the dispensation of the grace of God. The law was taken care of at the cross. And we're not a part of anything other than what has been given to us by the Apostle Paul, the dispensational information found in Romans through Philemon, and our salvation being accomplished by our trust in the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And putting our trust in that and that alone is what gives someone salvation today. Now is Paul bringing up this issue of this day and the issue of prayer that we see how when he's talking about this issue of the night and the day that the whole reason why he's bringing this up is that our prayer life should be something that is happening continuously. It should be a, such a big part of who we are that our prayer life just continues to go on and it's just something that is naturally happening all throughout. You know, As we are awake, our prayer life is always happening. That's why when you get farther on in the book of Thessalonians where the Apostle Paul identifies to pray without ceasing. That our prayer life is to be in such an effect that it is happening in this continuous manner to where it's not really an issue that we have to even look at because it's just part of who we are. Now when we look at this, before we move on from this idea of the night and the day, I do want to actually bring up one more aspect of things. I want to go over to Exodus chapter number 20 for a moment here because this is going to tie in with some of the things when you actually read through you know, the first chapter in the book of Genesis, you see how there's some things that are actually said, identifying, you know, the, the night and the day were the first day. You know, and identifying that there were six days 
of the issue of creation, which the which Moses here in Exodus chapter number 20 is actually going to be tying it with that's the reason why there's even a Sabbath day that's being brought up here as part of the law tying in with what happened back in Genesis chapter number 1. Revel or Exodus chapter number 20, we're going to read here verses 10 and 11. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. So just like the events that we read in Genesis chapter number 1, that demonstrates you know, that this is exactly what happened during the creation, that this is a, you're using it as a pattern for them of, that this is how, their week would go, that there would be six days of work and one day of rest that was going to happen. Now, when we look at these things, talking about all of this aspect of you know what was written back there in, in Genesis 1 related to the creation, talking about the, even the issue of the days and what this actually means, we see how Man rejects the things that are actually said in the scripture. Now, we, let's turn over to Romans chapter number 1. And we're going to read here a passage that identifies this thing of what happens to man as a result of this rejection of the things of God. Here in Romans chapter number 1. We're going to start here at verse number 18. We're going to read down through verse number 23. We'll read a little bit more in this chapter in a minute, but we're going to focus first on these verses here. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, as the Apostle Paul is writing this here in Romans chapter number 1, we see how Paul is laying out a foundation of a starting point in these first couple chapters of the book of Romans to come to the conclusion of how 
There is none righteous, no, not one, and it all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as he's describing these things, you see how he shows that these individuals change the glory of the uncorruptible God as part of their rejection of what God has done. Their rejection of what the word of God actually says. And how they glorify him not as God. They become vain in their imaginations. Their foolish hearts darkened. They become fools and the end result is that the glory that is associated with it, with God, go, turns into a glory of corruptible man, to birds, to four-footed beasts, to creeping things. It's a going farther and farther away from what the glory of God actually is. And you see how Paul started that whole idea of that there, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That there's an issue of, as you read this passage, that ties in with the fact that all of mankind really has, and what the Apostle Paul is bringing up here is that every single person that has lived during this dispensation has had the opportunity to receive salvation. That's why when you read over in Titus, where Paul writes, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That all of mankind has this access to the grace of God has access to the gospel message for today laid out in 1 Corinthians 15. And that all someone has to trust that they're saved and there's not a division like you see that was there in time past that separated the Gentiles from the nation of Israel and how God was only dealing with Israel in time past. Israel rejected what God was doing. Israel rejected that offer of the kingdom and the dispensation of the grace of God was ushered in. And the end result of man has always been to reject the things of God. To reject what his word says and to create, instead of following God's wisdom, man has the natural thing of to try to follow man's wisdom, to try to build upon their own thought process, replacing what God has clearly laid out, and the end result being what the Apostle Paul's talked about here of that professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That Man as man builds themselves up in the wisdom of man, thinks that they're doing something good, thinks that they're becoming something that the reality is they're not they're a fool because the end result of building and building upon man's wisdom is that there's going to be that 
walking away from God, which the word of God says, only a fool saith in his heart, there is no God. This is the end result of what we see here in this passage that we just read here in the book of Romans. Now, Paul continues on talking about the things that come about as a result of this rejection. We're going to pick up here now in verse number 24 of Romans chapter 1. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a line, worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burning their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The end result is that these things, you know, in this going away from the glory of God, takes someone further and further away from that truth, takes them into things that are contrary to what God would have them to do, allows them to be how Paul describes individuals. So if we go over to Ephesians chapter number 2, and we're going to see Paul describe some things here in the book of Ephesians as he's identifying these individuals here. And we're going to read the first three verses of Ephesians chapter number 2. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The end result is that individuals, rather than doing the things that God intends, individuals are walking according to the course of this world, walking according to the prince of the power of the air, walking according to the things that Satan has laid out because what Satan is doing is always contrary to whatever the plan that God has during our particular dispensation. We see how Paul, you know, over and over again talks about the wisdom of man and how it's a problem that comes up. Let's go over to the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to see how the Apostle Paul identifies these things here. In 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at chapter 1 first and then we're going to jump over to chapter number 2. Chapter 1, verse 18 
For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The issue is that the wisdom of God is always going to be greater than the wisdom of man. And the wisdom of man is going to be contrary to the things of God. Now we see if we skip over to chapter number 2, Paul continuing this discussion, and we're going to read here verses 6, 7, and 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And again, as Paul in these passages is laying out the issues of this wisdom of men, you see how this wisdom of men keeps being brought up as being contrary to what the word of God actually says. And that the wisdom of men really follows the issues of what the princes of this world were doing. What Satan's plan had been. And that if Satan had known what was going to be accomplished by the cross... Rather than trying to cause the cross to happen, rather than trying to encourage the nation of Israel to reject what was being done and to try to get them to kill the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have done everything to have prevented what occurred. He would have been trying to get them to say, no, he, he can't die. You have to keep him alive. Satan thought that by the death on the cross, and when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ ascend back into heaven, not establish the kingdom on the earth, Satan thought that he had won, and that he had beaten God at you know, the plan that had been laid out. Satan had no idea about the plan for this dispensation. The plan for the reconciliation of the heavenly places. A plan that was going to use the Gentile nations to reconcile the heaven back unto God. You can't find this information anywhere other than in Romans through Philemon. That's why it's called a hidden wisdom. In verse number 7. Because it's something that couldn't be found. You know, that's why he calls it over and over again in his epistles a mystery. Because there was nothing that actually identified 
this truth. And that the end result is that we know that everything that God says is true. We know that the things that come from God demonstrate his wisdom and that this is where we are to be putting our trust, to be putting our understanding of things. And yet you see over and over again, individuals, rather than putting their trust in what the word of God says, going contrary to it and trying to follow the things of men, creating instead of the peace that comes from understanding what God's word says, creating havoc for themselves as a result of their lack of understanding of what God has done for us. Now, we're, next time we're going to continue going through verse number 10. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have audio files of our Sunday services. In fact, you know, some audio files actually just went up on the website last night. So you can you know, see here some updated messages. You can also find some information about how to join our Sunday services live as they're broadcast on Facebook. Information about how to join our Wednesday night Bible study through a conference call option as well. And as always, if you have any questions, comments about anything in our broadcast, anything that you read on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.